Before we jump in, let, let's just pray one more time. Father, I just thank you for your boundless ability. You are able to do above and beyond all that I could ever ask or imagine. I thank you for this precious opportunity that we have to gather around your word. Lord, I thank you that your Holy Spirit is here and that your Holy Spirit is working in and through us. I submit myself as an instrument in your hands, Holy Spirit. Speak to your people and also be around every person that the word of God may come and rest on rich, fertile soil. Lord, I recognize, I believe that you have intentionally drawn men and women here today who either have to do one of two things. They have to either begin a genuine relationship with you today, or they have to restart one with you, Father. And so today, Lord, I thank you that given the chance, not anything, no one will stand in the way for them to make that choice. I also recognize, Lord, that there are people here that you have drawn that are looking for a faith family, a church home, and God, given the chance today, nothing will stop them from deciding Celebration International Church is the place that God has brought me to. Father, I thank you that more than everything, that in front of me, there is a group of people who are victorious, who are overcomers, who live by faith and not by sight, and who advance according to your word, and that nothing, no one, no enemy can stand in their way. And if you believe this, give God a mighty praise and say amen. Amen. And amen. Can you stand with me real quick? Let me get you active. I, I think there's some folks that are still sleeping this morning. Did you get your coffee today? Y'all so far away today. I don't know what, what happened to the front pews, Mr. Haskins. I don't know. They're missing out on the blessings. But uh, I want you to, to say this after me. I believe that when we speak some things into existence, that God honors our faith in that. So let's share and let's say our faith confession today. Ready? One, two, three. The applied word of God will change my life instantly. I actively embrace and embody its teachings. Pleasing God is my purpose. I walk in faith, not sight. I claim promises, pursue passionately, and prosper as my soul prospers. My faith is my proof. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Go ahead and you may be seated. Amen. Praise God. How many of you all like to read? Lift your hands. Let me see. I need some interaction today, okay? I need you to talk with me. I need you to raise your hands. If you want to get up and do a little jig and dance, that's fine too, okay? But just give God a witness this morning as we go through this conversation, all right? So how many of y'all are readers? How many of y'all always been readers since you were a kid? How many of y'all came into reading later on in life and you say, man, this is actually pretty cool. I can learn some things. I can leverage some things. All right. I was never really much of a reader as a kid, but when I came across J.R.R. Tolkien's Lord of the Rings, I just could not put those books down. I just could not put those books down. You know, even when it was lights out at home, I would go underneath the covers and I would grab a flashlight or a book light or something, just not a candle. That was a fire hazard. I would grab a flashlight 
And I would just continue reading well into the night. I would even pay for it the next day because I needed to be in school, right? But I would read and I would be exploring one adventure after the next as I got engrossed in that world. Have you considered how advantageous light is? You know, we take some things for granted, don't we? But let's just go back. Hop in your time machine for a second. And let's go back in time for a bit. Think about this. Before there was fire, before man, you know, struck some sticks together and and made some sparks with some stones and by chance made a fire. Think about this. When the sun went down, so did man. Human activity ceased when the sun went down. But then fire came along. When men discovered fire, now all of a sudden man could operate at night. He could take care of some business around that fire pit. He'd be able to see a little bit around him, and so he would be able to do a few things, and he didn't have to go to bed. He could if he wanted to, but he could also take care of some things because the light illuminated his surroundings. Yet later on, man discovered, man, I can take this fire that's around this fire pit and I can make it into a torch and I can make this thing portable. I can actually go on the perimeter of my property and can take care of my fence or or take care of this issue. Or I can go over to the neighbor and get a cup of coffee or a cup of sugar or whatever I may need across town. Man figured out that I could go a little further, but he can't go indefinitely because if he goes too far and that torch goes out, he's left in the dark. But when man discovered oil, it's game over. When man came to the realization that there is something called oil, there is this fuel that I can take with me, and now man has no limits. Now wherever man has fuel, as long as he has fuel, he can keep advancing beyond the darkness. Why? Because light overcomes the darkness. Wherever there is light, the darkness cannot prevail. And so... Is it any wonder that the Bible tells us that we are constantly to be filled with what? Oil. We talked about the 10 bridesmaids two weeks back. And now some of them had oil and some of them did not. The Bible tells us, the psalmist says, he anoints my head with oil. We are constantly to have oil in our lives. Why? Because as long as we've got it, we can go and advance. We can say, I could care less what the darkness is doing around me. I could care less how dark and how pitch black it is. I've got light because I've got oil. Are you hearing me this morning? With each new discovery, man had the ability to see farther. With every discovery, man could go farther. And so I want you to understand, friends, let's think about this just from the perspective of of, of knowledge, right? Because the Bible often talks about light and darkness. It's a a metaphor. It's It's an image of between knowledge and ignorance, understanding and lack of understanding. God's way 
and the way of the world. There's a lot of, of interplays that goes on with this metaphor of light and darkness. But think about it from the knowledge perspective, okay? I see some parents in the room here. And so um, parents and grandparents, ladies, how many of y'all, when you were you know, younger and going through your stint of being a parent, dealing with newborns, how many of y'all used to put your kids, lay, lay them down to sleep on their tummies? Anybody, let me see your hands. Lift up your hands. You would put your kids down to bed and you put them on their tummies. And they would sleep and everything was fine, right? Let me see some hands. I, I got These lights are bright. Okay, all right. How many of you who have kids now and that your grandparents and your parents looked at you putting your kid on their back and they said, what are you doing? Anybody? I had that. What are you doing? Lay that kid on their tummy. Well, it comes... Uh, 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 to, to find out here uh, that we don't do that no more. You know, there's been some knowledge and some light that has been shed on that reality. How many of you, okay, at some point in your life, when you think about knowledge, right, used to grow up hearing, you know what, uh, you can't swim 30 minutes after you eat. Anybody? Man, how many days I just sat there at the pool, like yearning to get in that water, but I'm like counting down the minutes because mom says, if I go in the pool, I'm going to die. All right, I see a few more people. Okay, some people are, uh, you know, shedding some light. How many of y'all, you know, would go around and you'd go like, oh, you do all this, and then, and then somebody would reach over to you and say, don't do that. He'll give you arthritis. Yeah, some of y'all, some of y'all heard that, right? Well, studies have come to find out and shed some light that it actually does not, okay? So, hey, don't, don't blame me. I'm just the messenger. I read that studies have said that this is the case. If you want to dispute the science and prove other theories, you go for it, all right? But I'm reading and sharing what I have read, what I have heard. How many of you guys, okay, and let me, let me just shame the devil and, and admit here, you know, as I'm a teenager, you know, I heard this thing that, you know what, if I want to have a nice full beard, I got to shave often and all the time because it's going to grow back thicker and faster. Guys, anybody here heard that one? All right. Yeah, you shave for no reason. It doesn't actually happen. <laughs> so did I. But here's the deal. When it comes to knowledge, knowledge in the form of light, when it comes and it sheds itself onto that circumstance, it illuminates and it brings you some new understanding. It's able to dispel some of the darkness. Some of you guys don't believe in any of these things that I've told you today. You don't believe in any of these things anymore. Why? Because knowledge has come into your life and you've understood some things. With each new discovery, there comes the ability for man to advance further. Well, friends, I want to just propose to you today that both in life and in faith, both in life and in faith, these options are still very available. There are some people today that they're living their lives around a fire pit. And they're perfectly content on it. There's others who are living their lives, carrying their little torch, and they're going to and fro. But they're running back to the fire because their torch has gone out. And they need to get some new, you know, sustenance. 
Then there's those today that are running around and they've got oil in their lamps. They've got oil for their torch and they are going beyond further than anyone else has gone. They're not content in staying by the fire or or being tethered to a torch, but they say, I take the light wherever I go and I am advancing. I yearn for more. I'm stepping out for more. I'm living more. I want more. Now, my question for all of you is this, which life do you want to live? Who do you want to be? It's perfectly okay for you to be content by the mediocre fire. It's totally okay for you to be limited by the torch. It's totally fine. You can choose whatever way you want. But which way do you want to live this morning? How do you want to encounter your life? There are some people who say, I want to pursue no limits. And I want to go further. And I want you to understand that this is not a matter of, you know, some people have luck. Because we don't believe in luck. Some people are just blessed by God and he made it so it's predestined that some people are going to advance and other people are not. Church, the reality is when you read this book, you'll realize that it's all about personal choice. The life that you choose to live is all about your personal choice. I think it's time for you and I and say, I'm not going to live afraid to jump in the pool 30 minutes after I ate. I'm going to jump in right now and go for it. I believe it's time for us to say, look, Lord, I want to turn to you because I want to turn on my lamp and I want to have all the oil that I need so that I can move further and I can overcome the darkness and I can go beyond whatever I thought was possible and I can move beyond everything that everyone else is doing and go further than everybody else has experienced because God, I believe that you have a life of the impossible and of no limits for me. I want you to open up your Bibles. Take a look with me. If you believe this, I want you to say amen. Look at Matthew chapter 6. I want you to see this in your Bibles. Matthew chapter 6, verse 22 and 23. If you don't have a Bible, there's a pew Bible in front of you. And if not, there's the scripture on the screen. So follow along with us. Matthew 6, verse 22 to 23. I want you to see this. The word of God says this. This is Jesus speaking. The eye is the lamp to the body. So if your eye is healthy... Your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light is in you, is dark, is darkness, how great is the darkness. Notice what the Bible is saying here, church. If your eyes are good... If your outlook on life is good, if the filter before your eyesight is good, then it will direct your life to success and victory. But if your eyesight is bad, then it will lead your life into a direction, into a path that is terrible and an outcome that is devastating. So the Bible warns us, pay attention to what your eyes are seeing. Be aware if your eyes are good. You might think that they're good and they're truly not, and you will be in for the surprise of your life. This text is talking to us, not just about sight, but it's talking to us about something greater than that, which is vision. Say vision. 
See, what, what are we talking about here? We're talking about sight is everything that your natural eye can see. Look at your neighbor and say, whatever you see, that's sight. But vision is everything that your heart sees, but your eyes have not yet. Vision is everything that you have seen in here. Kind of like the, the architect that can see the building plans in his head, and then he has to put it down on paper. It's in here, but your eyes have not seen it yet. You want to overcome? You want to live the life beyond limits? You want to live not tethered to the fire, not tethered to the torch, but you want to have fuel in your life to move you further? You need vision. Say vision. You want to overcome and choose vision today over your sight. So I want to review a couple stories. We're going to talk quick. We're going to rapid fire this thing. Let's see, because my time is going to run up real fast. So I want you to grab your Bibles and get ready. Go with me to Romans chapter 4. I want you to see something as we start off here. The very first thing I want you to notice, this is Paul speaking to the Roman church. And he says this when it comes concerning Abraham. And he's speaking about God. He says, as it is written, I have made you the father of many nations in the presence of God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. Friends, let me propose to you that vision is God's operating system. He's not running Windows or Mac. He's running vision. Vision is the operating system that God works off of. If you go back to the very beginning of the Bible, Genesis chapter 1, what does it say? Genesis chapter 1, the word of God says that the earth, verse 2, was without form and that it was void. And what? Come on. Darkness. Darkness was over the face of the deep. What covers the deep? Darkness. What is visibly missing in this equation? Light. So, friend, let me ask you, what is God operating under? Is he operating by sight or is he operating by vision? No, 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 I don't think you're getting it. Is he operating by sight or is he operating by vision? By vision. God calls into existence that which does not exist. The Latin word for that is ex nihilo. Out of nothing, God creates. But it didn't exist nowhere. It existed in here. God existed light in his mind. He could see it. He could perceive it in his heart. And so he allowed his words to bring it forth. What covered the world Darkness, what was missing? Light. God operated in vision. See, friends, what I want you to understand the first thing here this morning is that when you operate and live by a vision, you stop describing your situation and you start creating your change. When you live in vision, you stop describing your problem and instead you start to use your words to change your world. Let there be light and boom. 
Let there be light. And light showed up. Some of us were operating by sight and we're describing our problems. We're describing curses over our families. We're describing curses over our own lives. Oh, you, you're never going to amount to anything. Oh, my kid, no, he's the dummy. He's the smart one, she's the dummy. Uh, this, oh, you know, you, how, why did you do that? You're so clumsy. Oh, my gosh, you're a big butterfingers. You're never going to do it right. We describe the problem as opposed to operating our mouths to change the world around us. When you operate in a vision, you got to check your mouth And you got to put a guard around it. You got to say, mouth, you're going to work for me to change my world, not describe my world. Who cares what my world looked like? I know what my world is going to be like in here. Who cares what the school system is doing and what the teachers are teaching my children? My kid shall serve the Lord. My son is a boy and not a girl. My girl is a girl and not a boy. They're not confused. They have a sound mind. I'm not going to start describing the problems in the world. I'm going to open my mouth and release the answer into the world. Because when you're a visionary, when you operate by vision, you operate to change the world around you. You want to overcome, start calling into existence the things that don't seem to exist in your natural sight. What else? When we look at the scriptures, I want to go go over with me to Genesis chapter 12. We've talked about this. We spent a couple of weeks talking about a flawed family. And that family is Abram's family. Abraham, Sarah, Hagar, Ishmael, Isaac. If you've heard these names, praise the Lord. If you haven't, read Genesis 12 onwards. Go back and watch the series. But I want you to think about this. Not only do we need to stop using our mouths to describe our issues because we're living in vision. We need to also realize the power and the message that's in Abraham's life. Verse 1 of chapter 12. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make you a great nation. Friends, let me ask you, God is asking him to go to a land that he has seen? Is God asking him to go to a land that he's going to give him a vision for? God is asking Abram, I want you to operate by vision. And what does Abram do? If you read the story, Abram sets out. He leaves his father, his home, his culture, his land. He goes to a place he doesn't know. What is he operating under? Vision. Has he seen the land? No. He is going because God said, I will give you the vision. And so he moves. But friends, how many of you have noticed that we may start out under a vision, but if we allow the sight to get in the way, we get in trouble? Right? That's exactly what happened. Go back and read the series. Go back and watch the sermons on YouTube. You'll notice that when Abram, who is 75 years old, when God gives him this message, still has no children, God, how are you going to make me a father of many nations? I don't have a child. I can't be a father if I have no children. Despite what the world will say today, it just doesn't work that way. And so he does not know what's going on and what's going to happen. His sight gets in the way. Sarah's sight gets in the way. I'm old. I'm getting 
older. My body is breaking down. Things aren't working. So Abram got an idea. Hey, see my young servant girl, Hagar. Take her and have a baby with her. And by her, she can be a surrogate. And by her, we can go ahead. Come on, you all know this story, right? We've been, we've been talking about this. If you don't, read the scriptures. But let me just tell you what happens for those who don't know. Abram steps out of vision and he steps into sight and he says, Ooh, girl, you look fine. Hagar, you look pretty nice. I think you'll do. My wife, you know, she's a little advanced in years. You're looking pretty nice. I think you can bear some kids. Let's do this thing. And church, the minute he does it, The moment Hagar realizes that she has conceived a child, problems, complications, divisions, disloyalty, issues, strife, pain, sorrow, animosity, fighting comes into the home. Abram was probably kicking himself. Why did I sleep with this woman? Read the story. Chapter 15, 16, you'll see it. You'll see the issues. But here's the thing that I want you to understand. When we operate under a vision, we do not look for shortcuts along the way. See, when we are operating under the vision, the enemy will try to send us our sight back so that we can see shortcuts and enter into them. But his shortcuts are always complications. His shortcuts come with strings attached. His shortcuts are never truly shortcuts. They are wanderings in the deserts for 40 years and everyone dies. There's a way that seems right to a man, but the end of which is death. See, you might start off under a vision. Please, please, please stay there. Don't be looking for shortcuts and trying to shorten the period of time in the process. If God promised you that he's going to take care of your family, Maria, he's going to take care of your family. If he said he's going to heal your marriage, he is going to take care of your marriage. If God told you to start that business, he will fulfill that promise. God is very good at keeping his word. He's very good. The Bible says he watches over his word to bring it to completion. So if you set out under a vision, church, I want you not to start looking around you at what you see with your natural eyes. Say, Lord. I want to go the distance, however long, however hard, no matter what, because you're faithful. Abram lost sight of the vision and he started looking with his natural eyes. And we know the rest of the story because if you look all throughout the scriptures and all throughout current affairs, just read the news, what's happening in Israel right now, it stems back to Abram and Hagar and Ishmael and Isaac and Sarah and what this family did when they decided, let's make a shortcut. Abraham found out the hard way that it's better to live by a vision than rather to live by your sight. If God gave you the promise, move forward in faith. Go with me to 1 Samuel chapter 17, a story that many people may know. It's where we find the story of David and Goliath. And this is the ultimate underdog story. This is the story that so many people look up to and say, man, short, you know, short guys can't make it work. You know what? The, the run, 
can actually overcome. You know what? Those who are, you know, under in the margins, they can actually come on top. It's a beautiful story. Let's keep moving. Let's look at this. 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 24. The Bible says, all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, meaning Goliath, they fled from him and were much afraid. This is the part of the context of the story where the Israelite army has come against the Philistines. They're in the valley of Elah or Succoth, whatever your, your Bible may say. And they are there to fight. How many of you have watched the movie Troy with Brad Pitt? There's a scene in that that depicts what's happening here. When, when the, the, the enemy, you know, goes out there and he challenges Achilles and he says, hey, just send out one man and whoever wins this battle, that'll be the answer to the armies. The rest of the army doesn't have to fight, but we'll honor the results of this battle. That's what Goliath is doing. Send out one man. Is there any men on here? Any men in the house? Any, any valiant people? I mean, brave guys that want to come out? Come over here. We'll fight. We'll deal with this thing right here, right now. David is not here yet, but this is where he enters. He comes into the story. The people have been quaking and shaking in their boots day in and day out. Because every day, Goliath says, where's the men at? Send somebody. Let's handle this. Let's do this business. Come on. And nobody steps up. How is the army operating here, church? Are they operating under a vision as Goliath is taunting, or are they operating by sight? Are they operating by sight or by vision? By sight. And so here comes David. Here comes the DoorDash delivery boy who's here on daddy's errand to bring cheese and some bread to his brothers who are fighting on the front lines, his brave, valiant brothers. The DoorDash delivery boy shows up, and he hears... This giant bad-mouthing God and the people of God, the armies of God. And he says, hold the phone. What did this dude say? What is he saying? He's defying our God this way? All right, ho hold up, hold up. What, what are you all talking about here that somebody has to take this guy out and the king has promised a reward? What's happening here? What are you all talking about? And David asked the question because he's just floored at the fact that this man is able to come in every day and make these taunts and challenge God's people and nobody does anything about it. So David says, verse 26, what will be done to the person who takes this man out? Who kills this man? What will happen to him? And they tell him, he'll be rich. The king will make this man rich. The king will give his daughter in marriage to the man who kills the giant. Oh, and by the way, the family will never have to pay taxes ever again. How many of y'all be like, "Woo! this is a deal of a lifetime. That's exactly what David did. See, because here's what I want you to understand, church. When you live under a vision, you see your problem as the springboard for your promotion. When you live in vision and not by sight, you look at what the enemy has sent to destroy you and you say, this is my launching pad. I am getting ready to soar higher than I've ever gone before. Bring it on. Where is Goliath? I want to slay that guy right now. 
Some of us are looking at the problem in our lives. You're looking at what your kid just said, the blowout fight you just had with your husband. You're looking at what your boss did and how he passed you up. You're looking at the tension in the stock market. You're looking at whatever happened at work. You got the pink notice. And you're looking at it and you're like, everyone's out to get me. If you pick vision over your sight, could it be that God is setting you up to launch you into your future? God wants to take you beyond what you thought possible. David goes and he says, okay, tell me again. He asked three or four people, tell me, what's going to happen? Oh, okay, okay. Rich, royalty, no taxes. Ah, man, tell me again, tell me again, let me hear, let me hear. Rich, royalty, no taxes. He hears it again and again, and then he says, all right, hey, Saul, don't let nobody be afraid. Don't let nobody be afraid because of this clown. Don't let nobody quake. And don't you let anybody go out in that field. He's mine. Because this is my chance. Man, what faith is that? What if we would approach God and approach our problems and approach our day-to-day with that type of vision? What would your family look like? What would you sound like? What would the people around you start labeling you as? Because you're all of a sudden looking from a different perspective. You've got a different view. When you have vision, you see your problems as springboards to your future and you move forward. See, I want you to embrace the challenge. Embrace the breakdown. Take full force, head-on collision with your issue and say, Father, I thank you that in this problem is the seeds for my victory. Inside of this challenge is the very blessings that you want to pour out into my life. And don't wait for other people to endorse you. David's very brother says, you be quiet. Zip that lip of yours, buddy. What am I going to say to dad when we show up with a coffin at home because you decided to go up against a giant? Zip your lip. No, don't do it. You can't. You're not able to. Some of us need to go out and embrace the problem. Who cares what everybody else is saying? Doesn't matter what your eyes will see, but you need to step up and say, I'm taking this problem because I go in the mighty name of the Lord. And what is with me is greater than what is against me. David said, I come against you, Goliath, not in the name of my own sake, not my family's name, not my dad's name, not my brother's name, not King Saul's name. I come against you in the name of the Lord. Some of y'all got to introduce the Lord to some of your problems and start saying, hey, depression, let me just tell you about King Jesus. Hey, uh, inferiority and insecurity, let me just tell you about the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords that reigns over my life and my heart. The one who's called me and made me fearfully and wonderfully. The one who wrote every one of my days down since the beginning of time and has given me a plan and a purpose and have a vision for my life. And I'm stepping into this. Hey, problem, come here. Let me just tell you about my issues. And let me just tell you about your inferiority in the midst of my issues because they matter not I have a vision amen come on I'm preaching better than you guys are saying amen all right let me give you one more all right Elisha go over to second Kings chapter six. Second Kings chapter six and I want you to see this when you are living under a vision things are going to look different in your life Elisha has a servant boy and it's no longer Gehazi it's somebody else But 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 15. 
The Bible tells us that the enemies of God's people had gathered around the nation and they had besieged the nation. They're gathering around the place where Elisha and his servant is and the kings are and all sorts of things are going down as armies surround the people. Verse 15, when the servant of the man of God rose early in the morning, behold, an army was all around the city and the servant said, alas, my master, what shall we do? And he's quaking. He's afraid. He's worried. He's terrified. Because he went outside. And instead of seeing the beautiful sunrise, he sees an army of chariots and soldiers and catapults and all sorts of army machinery. And he is quaking in fear. I don't know what he does. Maybe he's pacing back and forth. Maybe he goes to, you know, he's like, should I tell Elisha? Should I not tell Elisha? What are we going to do? Oh, my gosh. And he is in f- afraid. He's in fear. Then Elisha shows up in the story. And he's just like, chill, relaxing, sipping his coffee, having some fun. Maybe he was just reading. I don't know what he was doing, but he is perfectly calm. Why? Look at verse 16. Do not be afraid. Uh, buddy, there's an army around us. Owen, the army has besieged the city. There's no in, there's no out. They want to kill us. What are you talking about? Don't be afraid. That's the only emotion I can have right now, buddy. Like, that's the only thing that we should feel. If you want to, you know, write a book and and create a movie and, and, and you're thinking about tomorrow, there will be no tomorrow. What are you talking about? Don't be afraid. Elisha prays, and he says, Oh, Lord, please open the eyes of the young man that he may see. And if you keep on reading, he'll say, So that the Lord opened his eyes, and he saw that the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. See, church, when you operate under a vision... You start running with and hanging out with and and walking with people that show you things that you could not see before. Elisha says, hey, buddy, let me just show show you what I see. Let me reveal to you that which I see. God, open up his eyes. And I imagine that that little guy was looking around. He's like, did that flaming fire horse, was he there like this whole time? Like, you're chill and relaxed and you know sipping your coffee and writing a poem and and you're just hanging out no wonder you could see this all along some of us we need to fire some of our friends i'm not trying to get political here you could hate them you can love them but some of us need to you know bring up our inner trump and say you're fired to some of our friends I could care less about the politics right now. I'm just saying. We need to get aggressive and intentional about firing some of our friends. Some of our friends, all they carry are rubber stamps and gas cans. See, the rubber stamp friends are the ones that will tell you everything you want to hear to keep you comfortable. They're the kind of friends that will just stroke your ego and tell you exactly what you want to hear. And they never upset the apple cart. They never challenge your comfort zone. Yet God, I have found, is always standing outside of our comfort zone saying, come here, buddy. 
I've got to stretch you and grow you. Vera, I don't want you to just sell this many homes. I want you to sell this many homes. I want you to make an impact, not only in your community, I want your name to be known in the region. God wants to step you out of your comfort zone so that he can take you beyond what you thought possible. And some of our friends just want to tell us what we want to hear. And all they do is keep us complacent, apathetic. They keep us down. Why? Because if we start to move up, they look bad. So they want to keep you right there. You come to them and you share your problem and they agree with you. And then some of your other friends, they got gas cans in their hands. All they do is aggravate the problem further. Some of your friends, they just pour gasoline on the issue and they light the match. You're upset, they make you more upset. You're angry, they make you angrier. Oh, you know what? Yeah, she did that and she did this. Did you hear what she said about you over here? Oh, you didn't catch what she said online. And they just add gas to the problem, and they only magnify your view to see what your sight tells you. This is why you're lost. This is why you're broken. This is why you can't advance. This is why your dad calls you this, and your mom says that about you. This is why it's true that you'll never do this. They just add gas to the fire, and they keep you down. But we need to fire some of our friends and grab people with a vision that will show us things that we have not yet seen. We need friends around us that will say, no, 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 no. You don't have to operate at this level of mediocrity. There is advancement for you. God wants to promote you. You don't have to live in bankruptcy. No, you don't have to live in bondage and debt. You don't have to live in sickness and in brokenness. There is healing. There is deliverance. There is hope. There is change. Your marriage will overcome this. You don't have to accept divorce as the outcome for your family and lineage and family tree. You need some friends that are going to advance you. Amen? And boy, I'm out of time and there's so much more to share. So let me just give you the last one. I told you last one right there. Let me give you one last one. I want you to stand with me. Worship team, y'all can come back up. There's the story of, of Rahab. There's the story of Mary. There's so many incredible stories in the scriptures of men and women and people who lived in vision and what God had done. When you live by vision, okay, some things will look different in your life. There's so much more for you. Look with me at Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 2. I'll leave you this last one. And the Lord said, Answering the prophet, write the vision, make it plain on tablets so that he who, so that he may run who reads it. Those who live by vision church, they get intentional so that they can live greater purpose. Take the vision, write it down, that he may run who reads it. We've got to get intentional about our lives, about our faith. If we're living by sight and what's around us and in front of us, we may just do what the situation dictates. But when we live by vision, We've got intentional. He says, write it down. Pastor, you're telling me all these things. I need to stop describing my problems and I should start opening my mouth to change my world. 
I need to stop looking where God never told me to look for shortcuts and I need to commit to his plan and purpose. Lord, pastor, you're telling me that I need to, you know, go ahead and live in a way by which my problems could be the catapult to my crown. You're telling me that I need to run with people who are going to show me things that I don't yet see. But what do I do practically? You need to come up with a vision for your life, church. You need to come up with a vision for your life and your future. You need a vision for your marriage. You need a vision for your children. You need a vision for your career. You need a vision for your health. You need a vision for your daily walk with Jesus Christ. If you just think that you're going to see things by sight and it's going to be okay, you're in for a rude awakening. If the eyes are bad, everything is bad. If you don't have a vision, you cannot get to the destination that God has ordained for you. So write it down. That's intentional action. You got to start putting some things down on paper. Go grab your phone. Write it down on your phone. Put it on your computer. Save it as a document on your desktop. Save this thing. Get it out of here and let it come into the real world. Give it life. I'm going to do the project. Yeah, no problem. It's all up here. I'm going to wing it when I get to the presentation. Good luck. How'd that that go for you? Some of you are gifted, praise the Lord, but you can't do that forever. When it comes to our faith, we got to write it down. Put a vision on paper, write it down, save it, so that when you do, you can go back and review it. Because he says, read it, that those who read it may run. You've got to read it, church. What good is it to have a note on your phone and you never go through? You've got a reminder on your phone, but you never look at it. I learned the other day how good a reminder is. I reminded my wife and myself we need to get gas, and we drove right by the gas station. And before Celebrate Sunday on Friday, when we have to be here to set up, we are by a road, and I'm running to go get gas at a gas station, and I haven't run since I don't know when. My body was hurting for five days. Jesus, I need to write a vision for my health. Praise the Lord. Write it down. Read it. Put it on your lock screen on your phone. Put it on, tape it to the mirror on your bathroom. Put it in front, guys. Put it on the refrigerator. Every time you go in there, which is every five seconds, as if something is magically going to apparate into the fridge that you didn't see five seconds before. Read that vision over your family, your home, your marriage, your kids, your, your career, your job, your spiritual life. Read that thing so that that thing can go from just in your heart, maybe possibly as some abstract thing, to something that you see with your eyes. Again and again, it follows you. But then you got to speak it. You got to speak it faithfully. You got to declare it. You got to start prophesying. Don't just read it. Allow your ears to hear what you are seeing and processing with your eyes. Let it come into your ears audibly. Let it sink into your subconscious. Let it be so much in your face and in your heart that if somebody shows up to you, Fernanda, in the middle of the night and shakes you open, awake, and they say, what's your vision? You can start saying it, boom, 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 boom. 
Because if you don't know it, you're never going to do it. If it's not part of you, it's not going to come out of you. See, I found many times ago, a long time ago, God will never bring out of us that which we do not diligently invest into us. Oh, when, when the time comes, he's going to give me the right words to say. Not if you've never read his word. No, no, but God's going to speak through me and I'm going to be an impact and I'm going to make a difference and I'm going to change the outcome. Yeah, good luck. Have you hidden his word in your heart? Only when it's hidden in here will it come out. When you most need it to. But then church, you got to run. We've got to run. See, the beauty of this thing is the Bible tells us that if we run, the vision will come. Some of us, we are so worried about what's happening around us and instead we should be running towards the vision that God has given us and who cares what's happening around us because one day or the other, God will make it so and the vision will come and it will overtake us. So what your kid isn't serving Jesus right now? Hit your knees. Write it down. Let your eyes see it every day. My son, my daughter shall serve the Lord. My grandkids will serve the Lord. Joshua said that as for me and my household, we shall serve the Lord. Write it down. Prophesy it. Speak it into existence. Declare it over your family. Stop cursing your kids, saying that your kid is so far from Jesus. Nothing gets a hold of his heart. Not, no word of God and no man of God, no woman of God can ever get through to him. Stop speaking your problem. But start creating your world. My son is blessed. My daughter loves the Lord. They are on fire for Jesus. My marriage is blessed. My kids are on fire. God is good. My health is the best. I am not somebody who is seeking a healing. I am a person that is battling sickness because I am victorious in God. I am healed. And sickness is leaving my body. Write down the vision. Speak the vision. Run towards the vision. Church, we rewrote a vision. We spoke it last Sunday. I believe that we are a haven for broken people. That we will be a church of hundreds that are making the difference and we're impacting hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people. That we're resourcing, that we're sending, that we are you know, planting and revitalizing churches. We are sending out pastors and missionaries and visionaries to go and express the gospel of Jesus around the world. I believe it. And I don't care if it doesn't look like it's here. All 500, 600, 700, 1,000 of you that's in before me right now. I don't care what it looks like. I know it's in here. And I'm speaking it out here. And I'm going to be overtaken by it one day. And I'm going to say, remember when, guys? Remember when? Remember when? I don't know what you're going through today. Or how you entered into this place. But one thing I can say is this, I know how you can leave here. I don't know how you came in, I don't know what your issue you have, but I know how you can leave this place. I know how you can tune out of this broadcast when you tune out. You can tune out changed and transformed by the power and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. When you come to know him, he changes everything. Why? Because he brings life worthy of celebration for all people. He transforms us. So I don't know where you are with him or where you've been. Maybe you're okay sitting by the fire and you like smelling like smoke. That's up to you. That's your problem, your choice. Maybe you've got that torch and you've run out and you're like, I gotta go back to the source again and again. 
But let me just tell you, there is a source of fuel available to you. His name is Jesus. Come to him today. Change your life. Change your circumstance. Say, Lord, I'm going to take the vision that you have for me. That all have fallen short and are sinners in need of your grace. So, Lord, I accept you into my life. Rule over me as Lord and Savior. And help me advance beyond what I thought possible. Bring your vision to completion in my life. If you've walked away and let your vision take over, today recommit to coming back to him. And ask him, birth the vision in my life, Lord. So let's close our eyes. As we make this a personal moment, If you need to make a commitment to Jesus again today, or if you need to make a commitment for the very first time, I'm telling you, he's got a vision for you that will rock your world. It's for your good. It's gonna bless your socks off. And it's gonna give you eternal life at the end of it all. Before you even get there, he's gonna bless you beyond measure. If you need to make a decision for him today, I want you to lift up your hands. I want to put something in your hands today. If you need to recommit your heart to Jesus, God bless you over here. May God strengthen you. Ushers, I want you to get ready. If that's you, lift up your hands. You need to make a decision for the very first time and say, Jesus, I'm coming to you, or you're recommitting your life to follow after Jesus. Lift up your hands and keep them up. Praise God, sir. May God bless you. Come on, church, give it up for Jesus because God is moving our hearts right now. Keep your hands up until the ushers put something in your hands. I want you to fill this thing out because I want to connect with you and walk with you and journey with you. If you're making this decision and the rest of the church join me, just say, God, I thank you for your son, Jesus. I recognize that he was perfect, sinless, that he came, he lived, he died, but then he rose again to give me eternal life. I confess my sins. Heal me. Wash me clean. And help me live with Jesus. Let me follow him all the days of my life. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Can somebody give it up for Jesus?